0: welcome to you thank you for having me i uh, what, a, what a privilege to come and be able to uh speak to you i know we are in the middle of winter in the middle of like school uni holidays uh, on a cold saturday morning and so chances are very good and, and most of you would have been here last night as well um uh, singing and uh enjoying each other's company and so you know waking up this morning was probably a bit of a challenge to begin with, So uh, what I'm hoping is that you have some, uh, even a little bit of energy and attention left uh, for a what will hopefully be somewhat brief, but probably not so brief. Uh, look this morning. Is that okay? Anybody with me? Anyone just you know you're not going to make it? A few. That's okay. That's why uh, I think they left it purposefully cold in here uh, so that we would all be able to stay awake. That's great. Uh, so today, uh, I'm going to be speaking about, I mean, this whole conference is about encountering God. How do we do that? What does that look like to encounter God? And today, I'm going to be talking about how do we, how do we encounter God when it doesn't feel like God's around? How do we encounter God, in particular, God, through suffering or trial or weakness how do we do that what does that even look like are we are we people because we're in christ are we people who uh, no longer have weakness who no longer have brokenness who no longer have trials who no longer have suffering we just prayed for christians throughout the world who are going through significant trials and suffering now do we just send them a text message hey bro you should just have some more faith and then maybe you wouldn't be suffering so bad. Or are or, uh, we to expect suffering? And if we are, what does that mean in terms of us encountering God? Uh, right, uh, right in uh, Peter's first letter, uh, towards the beginning of his letter, he writes this. Uh, he writes this. If, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure... that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed. For, how were you healed? For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So here, here's my contention for today. Here's my uh, thesis for this morning, if you like. If you know you're not going to make it all the way through the next, like, 25, 30 minutes, uh, here's a deal. You have been called... To suffer like Jesus. We've been called to suffer like Jesus. Uh, it's right there in Scripture. In fact, we're just saying, All your promises are yes and amen. If God promises us suffering, are we amening along with him in the suffering? Uh, are we like we claiming God's promises on that? Yes, Lord. Here's why. In fact, the rest of today, we'll look at why do I think we shouldn't go out seeking suffering. Uh, But when suffering comes, um, we can know that we are encountering God in that suffering. I'll put it to you, suffering is not an obstacle to be avoided. But when it comes, uh, we can know we have been called to this. So here in this passage, it says, Christ has left us an example. So we've been called to suffer in the same kinds of ways that Jesus suffered We've been been called to it. God is actually leading us to these things and Christ has been our example. And this word example uh, in the original Greek doesn't actually mean the word that we use like example. It's actually and it it is an illustration of a particular little device that they would use to teach kids how to write. So what I'm saying here is uh, these days we might use, in fact, when I was learning how to write, um, I, I never got my pen license Uh, Just you know, I moved schools a little bit growing up, and one year they did it in year two. The I mean, one year they did it in year three. The next one they did it in year two, and I went from this school to this school. Never got my pen license, Uh, but as we were learning how to write with with pens, we'd have tracing paper with the words underneath, and we would write on the tracing paper. As I've got three kids, uh, oldest is four, and as I'm teaching him how to write, I like kind of dot out the words before him so that he can then go and trace over those words. What it's saying here is that Jesus has left us this example like tracing paper, that we would actually see his example and write over on our lives, the tracing paper, the same letters, the same words, the same way that he has suffered. We are also to approach suffering. It's making sense? All right, we're going we're gonna, to gonna get deeper. It's going to happen. All right, what does his example look like? Uh, he committed no sin. He had no deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he didn't revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So how did he approach suffering? He didn't just try to avoid it. i put it to you that we spend a lot of energy avoiding suffering. We spend maybe most of our energy trying to be comfortable. I'll put it to you that comfort actually, it really is the idol of our age in Australia in 2017, comfort. We do everything we can to avoid any kind of suffering, Uh, financial, relational, um, health, in every kind of way. We do everything we can possibly do to try to avoid suffering. We spend stacks of cash trying to avoid suffering, stacks of energy trying to avoid suffering, uh, people in our lives that are difficult to get along with, let's avoid them. We don't want to hang out with that. We don't want to, want to deal with that. Uh, but we actually called to that. We actually called into that. We must suffer. The Bible actually tells us, Acts 14, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And Romans 8, Paul writes, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. So he starts by saying, man, you know what? We are children with God. We actually have the same heirship as Jesus. Jesus, through his death and resurrection, has called us into his family, into co-heirship with him, which is amazing that God now treats us, views us, loves us, like he loves his perfect son, Jesus. That's outrageous and amazing. And then he finishes off that thought. Heirs of God, oh, fellow heirs with Christ, provided... We suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Do you hear his promise there? All of God's promises are yes and amen. His promise is we are fellow heirs with Christ if we suffer with him. We're glorified with him if we suffer with him. And yet we as Christians spend so much time trying to avoid the very suffering that proves our heirship. This is why Paul can boast in his weakness. This is why Paul doesn't try to project some image of awesomeness. This is why Paul doesn't hop on Facebook and uh, curate all of the photos that make him look awesome and untag himself in all the photos that make him look less awesome. This is why he can, uh, this is why when he puts out his resume, he's not saying, well, I I am awesome this kind of awesome, in fact, in one, in one place he does say, you know, I am, I am a, of the Benjamin clan, I'm, you know, circumcised on the eighth day, trained like this, um, raised under this guy, zealot of zealots, I know way more than you do, qualified way more than you are, holy way more than you are, and said, you know what, I don't hold on to any of my righteous works. You know what, I boast in, he says, I boast in my weakness. In fact, 2 Corinthians, it says, on my own behalf, I will not boast except in my weakness. He's not trying to make himself look awesome. He's not trying to avoid suffering. He's not trying to, not only is he not trying to avoid suffering, he's not trying to avoid the appearance of suffering. He said, though I, if I should boast, I would not be a fool, for I'd be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it so that no one might think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So here's what's going on here. He said a thorn was given me in the flesh, was gifted to me. How can a messenger from Satan be a gift? Sounds like a horrific kind of gift. Please don't come to my party next year. Three times he pleaded with the Lord that it should leave me. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, he says, I'll boast all the more gladly. He says, I will glory in my weakness so that the power of Christ might rest upon me for the sake of Christ then i am content with weaknesses insults hardships persecutions and calamities for when i am weak then i am strong here's the here's what i think is the key as i read this scripture and and through first peter we don't suffer in our weakness and then become strong it's not like Uh, When you go to the gym and you work out and muscles all break down and you get weak, but over time that makes you stronger. That's not what he's saying here. He's not saying you'll develop perseverance and you'll just become a stronger person. He says, in your weakness, you're strong. In your weakness, my power is made perfect in weakness. If Christ's power is made perfect in our weakness, why? Are we trying to be strong in our own self, in our own right? Why are we doing that? Why are we trying to look like we've got it all together? Why are we trying to look like we, we are awesome and not that we are weak, but Christ is awesome? I mean, you know it. Nobody enjoys... Um, feeling weak no one enjoys being weak weakness is hard weakness is tough if you're honest with yourself you know your own weakness and that's just your own internal intrinsic kind of weakness let alone suffering that can come in the world because of just the state of the world the sinful state of the world the fallenness of flesh of my bad decisions that can lead to suffering. Of other people's bad decisions. Even if I do everything right, other people's bad decisions can lead to my suffering. Uh, just because our bodies are decaying, we can suffer. Our natural disasters, the, the cursed state of the world, we can suffer. All kinds of suffering. Because we belong to Jesus and people in the darkness don't like the light, that will mean we can and will suffer. It hurts and it it sucks. It's not just about like gritting your teeth and making it through. Uh, My contention and what I believe Scripture is saying here is uh, even though we don't enjoy being weak, even though it really is really, really tough, uh, firstly, we're called to it. Secondly, Christ's power is made perfect in our weakness. Thirdly, we are not alone in our weakness. God comes to us in our weakness. I put it to you, even though the point of your weakness isn't just to grow, James 2 tells us it is. You will grow in in that weakness as you face trials. Uh, But we do. We certainly grow uh, in our weakness. But God comes to us even in our weakness, upholds us, uplifts us in our weakness. Remember uh, Romans 8. Key passage. Uh, You might have memorized parts of this chapter. You might like, you know, have this, if you're a tattooing kind, tattooed uh, somewhere like the people like to do. Uh, Here's what it says in Romans 8 Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who's the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. So what can separate us from the love of God? What can separate us from the love of God? Can affliction or anguish, distress that is, or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, we are more than victorious. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers... Nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, firstly, who can bring an accusation here? It's a rhetoric question. Nobody. If you belong to Jesus, nobody can accuse you. You know why? Like Paul, because we're not boasting in our strength. We're not putting our goodness on display and saying, look at how good we are. We're not saying, man, we've got it all together. Come and be like me. We're saying, we are broken just like you. Come to the guy who has made us whole, even in our brokenness, who made us in our weakness. We don't claim our own strength anymore. We don't claim our own righteousness anymore. We don't create a facade of doing well and post that on social media, or when we gather together with our Christians, and they say, hey, how can I pray for you, buddy, mate, power, person who I love? We say, no, I'm doing well, thanks. I'm great. No prayers for me, thank you. It's crazy when we do this kind of thing. We know we're weak. And then secondly, from this passage, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. It means that the struggles. That we go through maybe you're going through a struggle now uh, it means it's not punishment from god it's so important that you know this because you right everybody here right now has either just come out of some significant struggles or suffering is you're currently in the middle of some difficulties or trials or you're staring down the barrel of some significant trials if you're honest with yourself uh, all of us you'll be very well aware of your own weakness even now. And this passage, Paul's encouraging us, reminding us that it's not a punishment from God. Jesus has already borne our punishment for us. And because God is just, he doesn't punish us again for that same sin. It's dealt with, it's done for, it's finished. It means that these struggles and trials are not a sign of abandonment. It means God's not punishing you, like actively going, oh, I'm angry with you. It also means he hasn't left you. When you're going through these things, one of our temptations is to go, God, I thought you wanted me to be healthy and happy and successful, and all God's promises are yes and amen, forgetting the promise of suffering. And so we go, if that's what I'm supposed to be like, how come I'm suffering? Where are you? Why have you abandoned me? Not knowing, man, he is so close. He's so close. In the Psalms, it says, Psalm 34 When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. God is so close to us in our weakness and in our struggle. It's not punishment. It's not abandonment. It also means that God uh, is allowing you to go through these things for your good. It means that there, uh, if God is sovereign, it means that everything that we go through is either sent or allowed by God. It means that our suffering can be for our good. If we're called suffering and our inheritance is based upon us sharing in Christ's suffering, then our suffering must be for our good. It also means that God loves you so incredibly that his love always succeeds. So we're victorious. We're conquerors. More than that. More than conquerors. More than victorious. We're talking about what does it mean to be in the love of God? It means that, it, it means that you, if you take like someone who is victorious, someone who has won, the victor, the winner, you are much more than that in Christ. We actually missed a bit though. We missed a part in this passage. Uh, if we read it again, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish? Can the distresses that we're going through separate us from the love of Christ? Can persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? This is a bit we missed. As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. And it says, no, in all these things, we are more than victorious. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, angels, rulers, the present, the things to come, powers, height, depth, any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have forgotten about the yin. And and what we do is we hear, I hear messages all the time. Uh, You're in suffering, but God will deliver you out of that. You're in weakness, but God is gonna make you strong. Actually, I mean, those things are true. Uh, When you 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 zoom out and have a macro perspective, those things are absolutely true. Oh, he misses the in. In all these things, you're already a conqueror. In your suffering, in your anguish, in your distress, in your persecution, in these things, we're more than conquerors more than victorious. What does that mean? Actually, it, it changes how we view suffering. Because it's not like when we're going through suffering, when we're weak, we are not victorious, but God is going to make us victorious. He's saying, no, no, in your suffering, in your weakness, you are already victorious. In your suffering, you're sharing in Christ's suffering, and so you share in his inheritance. In your suffering, in your weakness, in your persecution, in your anguish, in your despair wait, not despair, distress, you are already much more than victorious. It means we need to re- rethink our whole paradigm about suffering and what that means. We need to find a whole perspective of what it means to be weak. It's not weak to become strong, it's in your weakness, Christ is already strong. In your suffering, you are already victorious. Our struggles reveal our own weakness. They help us kill our pride. They humble us. They remind us that we are not God. They lead us back to God. They reveal the uselessness of our human effort apart from God. Uh, they cause us to love the Savior who delivered us from sin. They teach us to rely on the Lord alone. They lead us to a life of continual repentance as we uh, as we do um, as, the, as our own weakness our works itself, we come back to Him. They make us long for the rest of heaven. They make us more watchful against the encroachment of sin. They encourage us to develop habits of holiness. And they mandate that we bear one another's burdens. They lead us to go to God daily instead of seeking instant results. This is what it means to be victorious in your struggles, in your suffering. It's not that the weaker you get, the spirit makes up for your lack and brings you back to the standard of strength, but that the fleshly strength you're striving in so hard to do things in your strength, uh, it's actually your greatest weakness. The things you're striving for to try to do in your own effort it's actually working against your victoriousness. Not only that, uh, it's potentially diminishing or at worst destroying your witness. Because no, you're no longer saying, look at how glorious Jesus is, even in my weakness. You're saying, look at how good I am. Look how together I've got it. Uh, I've got a mate who was recently released from prison. He's on the anklet, like home detention. And um, I actually got a bunch of mates uh, on home detention and uh, one of them, he he'll wear shorts when he goes out. He's like, I'm a Christian now. Uh, my old me, that's not me anymore. Like people can know I'm in at home attention because I'm pointing to Jesus. This is amazing. I've got another man at home attention, he wears jeans. Uh, doesn't doesn't want to like any anybody to know. And I keep saying to him, man, don't you realise like that's you're not that guy anymore. And even if you do sin, like God's grace has covered that's that's sin. Uh, you can be completely real with people now. You don't have to try to project an image of who you want people to think that you are, because in your weakness, Christ's strength is more powerful. It's made perfect. But if you're being strong, where is the power of Christ? So others see this first guy, and they see a guy who his life is life laid bare. He's like, yeah, I am weak. I know I'm weak. He's my permanent, well, not permanent. He's my constant reminder of my weakness. But God's grace is so amazing. And the other guy, none of that. Just the fear. What if people find out? What if they knew of my weakness? I keep trying to say, man, that everybody, everybody is trying to hide their weakness because everybody knows they're weak. Imagine a community of people who were all putting their weaknesses on display and all had Christ's power perfected in their weakness, what kind of power would our community have? What kind of power do we prevent when we don't do that? i going to skip a bunch because we're running out of time. If, if these kinds of things um, doesn't match with your definition of, like, victorious, if like, that doesn't sound very victorious, uh, I'll put it to you, we need to either uh, redefine what victory actually means and looks like, uh, or redefine what suffering means and looks like. You look at even the writers of the New Testament, uh, or just even the apostles. Consider the, the 12 apostles. Man, they had suffering. They exampled after Jesus. They, they took that tracing paper and tried, as they would, in the power of the Holy Spirit, to mirror just after Jesus. And they did. And did they suffer? Uh, Apostle Peter, he, he ended up uh, being crucified upside down. Andrew was also crucified uh, on an X-shaped cross. Matthew was impaled to the ground and then beheaded. Bartholomew was flayed to death. Uh, Philip was impaled by iron hooks in his ankles and hung upside down till he died. James was beheaded. Uh, Matthias, who was stoned, then beheaded. Uh, The other James was thrown from the top of a temple then beaten to death. Jesus' brother, James, was thrown off a 30 meter cliff, survived, then beaten to death with clubs. Um, John was boiled alive, didn't die, and was exiled to like this rocky island. Paul was beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, jailed, left for dead, and then most likely beheaded. And these are the guys who we go, these are like the the founders of the church. These are guys who walked with Jesus. These are guys who first received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. These are the guys uh, who wrote the New Testament. These are guys uh, who saw thousands become Christians and turn to God in, in a day, in a moment. And how they suffered. And how they were victorious in their suffering. They didn't try to wait till their suffering was finished to claim victory. They didn't wait till they were over their weakness to then go out and do some things for Jesus. They didn't wait till they got their stuff together before they went and approached God. In their weakness, they were stronger. It's Christ's strength. In their suffering, they were more than conquerors because of the love of Christ. Is this making sense? Is this too hard a word? Why does God let us go through these times? Let's, let's, let's finish up. Why does God let us go through these hard times? I mean, we know we need to share in Christ's suffering so we share in his inheritance. But it's also for your joy that God lets you suffer. Uh, James 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Uh, In the original Greek, um, this word joy means joy. It's joy. Uh, Other ways, this has been translated. um, Count it all joy in the KJV. Consider yourselves fortunate in the TEV. Consider yourselves fortunate when you face trials of many kinds. Another translation says, uh, when you face these trials... Greet them as friends. How do you greet a friend? I greeted a bunch of friends this morning. I was greeted by them. I, you know, put out a hand, received with a hug. This is what James is telling us. When we we come against trials, you know what our natural proclivity is and everything? And all all of your friends, probably, uh, unless they're here today or have a really good understanding of suffering, will say, try to avoid the suffering. And James says, give it a big hug it as friends. Why? He goes on, because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if we avoid the suffering, if we avoid the suffering, how does our faith produce steadfastness? How does our steadfastness have its full effect? And how are we perfect and complete, lacking in nothing? It's for your joy. Uh, Also, so that we would turn to him. So we would know that uh, it's Christ's strength. If God has called you to do something that you go, man, I just can't do that. I'm not big enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. Uh, Then you're finally in the place where you can go and do that thing. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, we don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. If we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Here's the perspective on suffering. You know why we went through this, Paul's saying? So that we would know that we'd have to rely on God and not try to do this in our own strength. Not try to make ourselves look better than we are. Not try to muster up our volition to go and do this thing. But so that we would know and rely in His strength, He delivered us from a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we've set our hope that He will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So again, He's just saying so that God will get the glory so that you will see that God answers prayer, that it's his strength. What are you facing? you have relational difficulties? Do you have health difficulties? Uh, have you have, do you have financial hardship? Difficulty at work or difficulty at study? Is a struggle struggle with a family member? Uh, struggle with not being able to find work. Struggling with some mental health issues. You're struggling just with purpose in life? Maybe you've got friends who are struggling significantly. I've got a friend whose mum killed herself last week. She's gone through difficulties. She's gone through struggles, and man, is the gospel at work in that family? They have a biblical perspective on suffering. Do you fear for the future or do you not see the future for you? Uh, God is allowing you, or in some cases gifts us with struggles so that we would lean on him, so that we participate in Jesus' sufferings, so they'd become more like Jesus. So we'd learn not to try to operate in our own strength, but that God would encounter us in our weakness and that his strength would be perfected in our weakness. Uh, Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Isaiah, he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. He's not saying it's going to be easy for you. He's not saying it's going to be, uh, come to me with your suffering and you won't be suffering anymore. What he's saying is, my power is, uh, my, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. And so we embrace suffering as a friend. Again, don't go pursuing suffering like you would a friend, but when suffering comes, embrace it like a friend. Don't just try to go, well, how can I immediately and in the shortest amount of time end my suffering? But go, what am I, what am I learning in the suffering? How am I growing in the suffering? How am I participating with the sufferings of Christ as I go through this next period of time in my life? It means we treat suffering differently. Thirdly, how we treat, uh, why do we have suffering? So that we turn to each other. You're actually made for community to do it together. You're not made to go it alone. One of the things that you might default to when you go through hard times is, well, I'm just going to withdraw from community until I have sorted this thing out in my life and then I'll come back into community so that nobody knows how weak I am. It's the exact opposite thing that you're created to do. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You want to fulfill the law of christ you need to be both bearing somebody else's burdens stepping into their weakness and also letting your weaknesses letting your burdens be borne by others we've got to do it we don't do it well and so we're allowed to go through suffering so that the facade of who we want people to believe that we are sinfully is actually demolished and people would know who we really are and lastly so that he would get the glory. God doesn't want to share his glory. He will give us, he will gift us glory. That's, that's his glory. He doesn't share his glory. And so the idea is that we are not awesome. And as long as we try to project an image of our own awesomeness, not only do we not encounter God in our suffering, we do diminish our um, Witness of the gloriousness of the gospel at working in our lives, but you also rob God of his glory because he wants his power to be made known and shown in our weakness. And for that to happen, we've got to be weak. That's the gospel response. As people see our weakness and our suffering, they see the great hope we have in Jesus in our trials not just after them my mate with the anklet the second dude he's like yeah i will tell everybody about i'll tell everybody about uh, my old life once the anklets off once that whole chapter of my life is over once the suffering is no longer here then as a victorious person then i can share about god's mercies god's grace god's excellencies i say, man that's not the gospel the gospel is in your suffering christ comes to us while we're still sinners. In the midst of the mess, Christ steps into it. And in the mess, in the weakness, in the suffering, we can say, look at us suffering and look how joyful we are because we know God. Look at the hope we have at the bottom of the pit because we have Jesus. If we have nothing but Jesus, we have everything. And as long as we communicate that, we communicate the gospel. When we communicate, well, I have everything together, and now be like me who has everything together, all you have to do is receive Jesus. That's not the gospel. Let's finish there. Let's pray together. Father God, uh, we thank you. We thank you firstly for, for Jesus. We thank you that uh, you stepped into our mess. Uh, we praise you for the love you have for us. Uh, that you wouldn't even spare uh, your own son for us. And we know because of um, Scripture, because the Holy Spirit uh, even testifies inside of us, we know that you're for us, that you love us, that nothing separates us from your love. And yet, we still go through these uh, really tough times. We want to do those well. Help us to steward our suffering well. Help us to not waste our suffering by just trying to, Avoid it or get out of it. Help us to live those real lives laid bare so that people would see our weakness, even see our brokenness, and see how you have stepped into that weakness and brokenness. See how the um, Holy Spirit is doing a work in us. See how the gospel of uh, your precious son Jesus has changed where our hope comes from. Help us to lean into each other in the community that you've given us. Help us to to give you all of the glory as we uh, live these lives laid down, embracing suffering like a friend, Uh, encountering you in the suffering, not just to escape the suffering, but because even in the, again, in in the pit, that when we have you, we have everything. And so help us to see you and know you and have perspective on uh, who you are and that when we have you, your gloriousness, your beauty, uh, your majesty um, would be everything that we look for and need. And knowing that out of our our knowledge of you, out of our, our knowing you, we do have everything we need. We have your spirit of your people. We have your word. Uh, you have a plan and a future for us. Father, for us who are going through struggles and suffering right now, my prayer is that um, by your spirit you would bring comfort. By your spirit you would bring strength. And by your spirit you would um, make known the hope that we have in you. For those who are having um, difficulties in any of those ways that we talked about before, any other kinds of ways, um, my prayer is that, again, uh, you would bring um, healing to relationships. You'd bring healing uh, where there's like physical affi- infirmities, um, that you'd bring an end to those um, tough circumstances and situations. But in- until the end comes, my prayer is that we'd embrace what you're doing in us in the end. Help us to remember Jesus and his suffering. Help us to be those people, uh, like in Hebrews 13, it says, remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their work of life and imitate their faith. And may we be those who have that faith that is worth imitating as we imitate and trace after Christ. We pray this in his holy name and for his sake. Amen.